0: Yeah, yeah, it really was that simple. She's like, you turned sex, uh you started speaking full sentences. I I felt like I did enough. <laughs> right?
1: I felt like I did my my part. <laughs> hello everyone this is alex and
0: this is M. welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary For much more exclusive content, become a show producer over on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic.
1: Today we're discussing the first half of ABC's action spy thriller, Alias one of abc's most critically acclaimed dramas alias follows sydney bristow a cia agent working as a double agent for sd6 a counter government agency sydney must handle the stresses of her job while keeping her friends in the dark navigating a romance with a co-worker and handling the tense relationship between her and her father who's in the same line of work so what do we think made alias so exciting stay tuned
0: everyone here's some details about alias the series is classified as action espionage thriller drama and science fiction it was created by TV powerhouse JJ Abrams it was released from September 30th 2001 through May 22nd 2006 on the ABC network for a total of five seasons and hundred and five episodes The series stars Jennifer Garner as Sydney Bristow. She is our protagonist. She is an American of Russian Canadian background, a CIA double agent to SD6. Michael Vartan as Michael Vaughn, born Andre Michaud. He is a CIA agent, Sydney's co worker, and a primary love interest. Ron Rifkin as Arwen Sloan, he is a former CIA engineer and director of SD6. Carl Lumbly as Marcus Dixon, Sydney's co-worker and director of the CIA's Joint Task Force. Kevin Wiseman as Marshall F- Flinkman, he is a tech-savvy creator of various gadgets for field agents. He first worked for SD6 and then later the CIA. Victor Garber as Jack Bristow. He is a CIA agent and former SD 6 double agent, also Sydney's father. In our supporting cast, we have Bradley Cooper as Will Tippin. In seasons one through five, he's a main character and then a guest in seasons three and five. He's Sydney's friend and a journalist, and then later he becomes a private researcher for the CIA. Marin Dungy as Francine Calfo, uh, aka Francie. Uh, She is in seasons 1 and 2 And a guest in seasons 3 and 5 She's Sydney's best friend And a restaurant owner Um, And um, Marin Dungy also plays Allison Dorwin A Francine look-alike assassin Greg Grunberg As Eric Weiss He's in seasons 3 through 4 And then a recurring character for the whole series He's one of Sydney's Coworkers and a CIA field agent David Anders as Julian Sark. We see him primarily in seasons two and three, but he's recurring for the entire series. He's a member of various groups, SD6, The Man, The Covenant, Prophet Five. Uh, He's basically a person of flexible loyalties. Lena Olin as Irina Irina Uh, Derovko. We see her primarily in season two. She's a guest in seasons four and five and she goes by the alias Laura Bristow which is who is a English professor uh, and Jack Bristow's wife but really she's a KGB officer who faked her death when Sydney was six she is also head of the man this character is Sydney's birth mother uh, Melissa George as Lauren Reed in seasons 3 primarily but I guess in Seasons 4 she is Michael's wife um uh, NSC liaison to the CIA, but she's also a double agent for the Covenant. <laughs> Maya's Maestro as Nadia Santos, uh, primarily in season four, but a recurring character for the whole series. She is an affair baby of Irina and Arwin Sloan. She's Sydney's half sister, and she is an agent for. She's a field agent for SIDE and APO. Rachel Nichols as Rachel Gibson in season five. She's initially an analyst for The Shed and then later a field agent for APO and the CIA. Uh, Elodie Buchez, a uh, recurring character in season five. Uh, she is number eight on the CIA's Most Wanted list and she is an APO ally. Last but not least, Quentin Tarantino as McKenna Sloan. He is a guest character in seasons one through three, formerly in sd 6 Uh, operative and then later um, employee of the man and then the covenant he is the agent who oversees sydney's brainwashing in season three so let's talk about it because i mentioned a lot of government agencies some of which actually exist some of which were made up for the show but uh alias if you're into government uh agencies if you're into government conspiracies if you're into like the background of how governments are run not just who's elected as a political leader alias is definitely a show that's going to push all of your love buttons
1: <laughs> i mean alias is like so i you were like you you got into it so you got into alias via your mom right
0: yes and no i did watch a few episodes while it was on air because it was her favorite show but I actually didn't get into Alias until, gosh, I think this was 2008 or 2009, which was the last time it was on Netflix, mm. and I binged the whole series.
1: <laughs> okay, so I remember I had tried to watch a, like, a couple of episodes of Alias because it is this giant uh, pop cultural artifact, and I'm interested in pop cultural artifacts. I could not make it through <laughs> like more than one episode. 'Cause it was so goofy. <laughs> um it got really goofy really quickly. It got very goofy very quickly. Uh but it's but watching it now doing like a real true watch, it's been I'm glad. I'm glad we do this and I'm glad I'm doing this and I'm glad I I watched it. Although I stand by my my original reading of it, which is that it's a goofy ass show. <laughs> Mm-hmm. um it was uh but alias is so alias was j.j J. Abrams, executive produced by j.j J. abrams created by j.j J. abrams this was his second like big hit television thing um j.j J. abrams you guys j.j J. abrams um titan of film and television now right uh mm-hmm. super eight lots of the mission impossible movies um, a, a a lot of the new Star Wars movies, um, anything. Executive producer on Lost. He was like an executive producer on recently on Misha Green's thing that everyone's t- talking about. Oh my oh, god, Lovecraft Country. Yes, executive producer Lovecraft Country Titan. Um, Felicity was J.J. Abrams's first big thing, but here with Alias, he had like his second sort of you know massive massive um hit and and like you said and alias is still like in the cultural it's it's still in the cultural mindset because i think a lot of people who are working now or like decision makers now are still we're still heavily in were and still are heavily influenced by it
0: hmm let's talk about that briefly too so jennifer gardner played a guest character and i believe it was like season one or two of felicity and i believe this um i don't want to use the n-word i don't want to use nepotism but <laughs> <laughs> i believe this is how she got cast for alias and i'm going to talk about why i feel that is even though i'm not throwing shade on her as an actress i don't think she was right for this role and i think as time went on and uh critics and audiences got away from the show the fact that this show didn't get the sort of syndication uh, as other shows that it was compared to at the time, like uh, it's a spy counterpart left from Nikita, which was on USA or uh, Xena or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the way that these other shows have been snatched up and, you know, um, and, and their syndication darlings and alias really wasn't shows to me that once the novelty of alias fell off, people really saw what a lot of the th- elements that the show was lacking.
1: Mm. I agree with that. And we talked a little bit about this in regards to Jennifer Garner's casting and and the show in general. Um, I also agree that Jennifer Garner, watching the show, she does not feel right for this role at all. Um, But I understand why someone would have cast her um or why she was cast in that during like when the show came about which was the early 2000s around this time i still think that we weren't interested in seeing women characters who were like cold
0: yes we really weren't
1: we <laughs> weren't and to me that's the biggest disconnect between jennifer garner and the sydney bristow character is the sydney bristow character on the page and as as written when you're watching the show is seems like it's for like a cooler, it's a cooler actress. I think it would have done better in the hands of an actress who knows how to be, um, not, and not unkind. Uh, please don't get me twisted, but cool. Like the way that like a Maggie Q was very cool in Nikita. Um, the way that, oh gosh, uh, I don't want to say Scarlett Johansson in Black Widow cuz I also don't think she's doing justice to that role. But <laughs> uh, definitely if you if you can think of some of our or like the way I think of Juliana Margulies uh, as Alicia is very cool.
0: Yeah, she can be cool at times, very um, um i'm even thinking about the way uh pita wilson who was the actress on the tv show la femme nikita she was also very cool and that show ended right before alias started um but i think the fact that pita's not american um and uh made people and the show was on usa made people more willing to embrace that type of character um i don't think americans like cold women (laughs)
1: Right, I don't think we like like America. I would agree. I don't think Americans particularly like cold women. But uh, I think it, the show to me, the character I think would have been done more justice, would have been done more justice to me with a cult with an actress who had, was had a cooler temperament. And obviously, for those of who have seen Thirteen Going on Thirty, who um, which I think is Jennifer Garner's best, and I think Thirteen Going on Thirty is Jennifer Garner at like the height. Of her powers um uh jennifer garner's not a cool actress she's very warm she's very uh she's very warm she's very um soft she's very you know a gushy like and i and that's what we get in the sydney bristow character at, at really strange inopportune times
0: like i'm not even throwing shade because jennifer's a mom now like even when she was young and she was 25 i believe when she when she started playing sydney bristow um she's always given that impression that she is the person who would you know make you homemade chocolate chip cookies if you were sad
1: yeah like exactly <laughs> she that is exactly her and and uh and yeah like i don't think it has anything to do with her her as a mom or anything like she that's just that's how she comes across and that seems how she actually is in life so it feels strange to um cast her as this sort of you know uh i want to say laura croft was when laura with angelina jolie
0: uh perhaps at the same time let me double check
1: yeah i I feel like it came out the same time as alias alias and that's what i was saying it feels straight that's why it feels strange okay the first
0: one came out in 2003 so yeah it was while alias was still airing
1: airing so yeah so it feels strange um oh yeah and laura Croft tomb raider was was oh one The same. it's a it came out oh one the same year that the alias started
0: um that makes sense that makes sense and i think that kind of performance probably would have been better for jennifer
1: right and so yeah so it feels strange to have a jennifer garner heading up essentially a tv version of laura croft or like you know which the laura croft mythology is very similar to um alias and and what alias is about and the the journey and i think the narrative that alias takes so transitioning to so speaking of laura croft laura croft was like originally like a video game and it's like about like you know laura croft is this it's like essentially like a similar thing like she's like she's not like a spy but she's like spy a, a action adjacent and the whole thing is, is like she's looking for these artifacts that are like you know gonna do a spooky thing um that's important for the world or something and so thus brings uh, to the us to alias and sort of the main story that will carry on through all five seasons is that there are these government agents that are you know doing that are trying to find artifacts to do a spooky thing and that's my next thing about alias alias as much as I did not like the... I didn't like the core narrative of Alias in terms of... Because it didn't make any sense to me that, like, the CIA or some other counter-government agency cares about this random-ass, Nostradamus, old-ass, dead-ass nigga. Like, and his spooky... Doesn't make sense. And his spooky artifacts. Like, that did not make any sense to me. But I do appreciate it because i see how the way how like that narrative and the way that it's structured and using that is definitely the early blueprint for like the modern um comic book movies and that we have now in terms of like marvel and dc like i i see how they definitely like used alias as like their blueprint to construct how they were going to create their own worlds and how mm-hmm. they could match like the comic book world to ours to make it feel more grounded.
0: Right. Right. All of this is true. Um, and I feel like Alias was trying to be too much at once. Cause you had all these government agents, agencies, but then you had this like Nostradamus like <laughs> plot that was always in the... That was always in the periphery. And it's like, what was the reason?
1: (laughs) What was the Um, reason?
0: (laughs) I don't understand. I don't get the reason. Um, But it's ABC. So they gave them a huge first season. Um, Season one, 22 episodes. We meet the Sydney character. She is a university student. And she gets recruited to work for SD6. And then we learn that she... Um, is already a CIA agent. So this was what she wanted. She wanted to be recruited by SD6 because she um, is going to be spying on them for the CIA. She's a double agent. Um, We also get uh, a a little bit of information on another agency called, uh, another organization called the Alliance of 12. And we meet uh, some of the like major side characters like Michael Vaughn and Eric Weiss.
1: It's interesting to me, and I think it's cool and, and definitely speaks to the show's influences that the sort of inciting event in this pilot and the the first two episodes is essentially Nikita. Sydney Bristow is getting married. She's like this girl in grad school, finishing up, trying to finish up grad school. Her boyfriend is proposed to her. She is a secret agent in this, you know, that she's been told is the CIA and she tells her her fiance her her mm-hmm. now fiance that hey I I'm, I'm in this thing which yeah that's smart and then the counter government agency SD6 kills him and she then has to continue working for them and that and that is when she realizes that they're not actually the CIA and she becomes a double agent and starts to actually work for the real CIA and this SD Six people in order to. And her goal is to take SD Six down. Like that's Nikita. A lot of that is Nikita.
0: I mean, there isn't the being framed, going to prison, being recruited against your your will. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there there there's a, there's a lot of similarities. She's very patriotic. <laughs>
1: Right. No, yeah, that's like, that's definitely, and that's, I definitely think, yeah, that's probably the biggest divide, right? Is that, yeah, Sydney's super like rah, 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 like America. And Nikita's like, I don't know, these people can go fuck themselves. And I'm not going to lie, if
0: that's the reason why they cast her, that actually makes a lot of sense because she definitely looks like uh, the heartland type of girl.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good observation. I, I agree.
0: But yeah, this first episode was really interesting. So Alias did something that no other show had done at that point, but premiere episode of Alias aired with no commercial break. Oh, wow. <laughs> there was no commercial break. You just had to sit there and get in. And like, they had hyped this up for weeks prior So just that alone made people curious to watch a pilot episode. And I definitely uh, remember the pilot episode being somewhat record-breaking, especially for the night of the week that it aired on. But yeah, so once Alias did it and it paid off, other shows—not every show, obviously, but other shows would do this later on down the road, where they would give us a pilot episode that was— commercial free or they would give us they would introduce a new season commercial free and it's it's a
1: i won't say it's a gimmick but it works (laughs) it's definitely a strategy that works you know men really love jennifer garner (laughs) retrospectives on alias written by male writers they're all like she's super hot like i love her so much i'm like huh that's interesting
0: (laughs) I honestly Um, think that this is a plus and minus for Jennifer. I'm sure her hotness is a a reason why a lot of of the reasons why she was cast and also a lot of the reasons why the stuff that she starred in um, was so successful. But, like, the energy that she gives and the body that she's in don't match.
1: They don't match. (laughs) Because it's interesting, like, I mean, even now, like, they're... There's an episode, I wanna say it is in this first season. JJ Abrams talks about one of his favorite scenes from Alias, and there's and he's talking about the scene where like she's seducing some like Russian guy on the plane, and she's in this like black lingerie getup, and um then she switches out to like a red one, and and then the guy is like getting the red one and then he's and then she switches out into the red one and jj is like oh it's like he's like it's it's so great she's so great i'm like she's so uncomfortable in that scene (laughs) (laughs) like it's like visually when you look at that scene it's so clear she's so uncomfortable and she is not selling that moment at all like and so I'm just like, so what are, what are you guys talking about? Like, I don't get you it. You bring up a
0: really good point, and I think this has to do with masculinity and the way that a lot of men are brought up. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Men don't know when a woman is turned on. A woman would watch that and see that she's clearly not selling it and that she's not into it, but a man just sees how sexy she is and that she's there.
1: Right. But, and I, and yeah, then I, so then I guess this comes back to like what you and I talk about all the time, which is like our, our definition of sexy is like not (laughs) the masculine definition of sexy or like the patriarchal definition or of what that is, because it's, it's crazy to me that he like, this is like the scene in his mind, but like, she's so uncomfortable. (laughs) She's not, She's supposed to be selling a specific moment, and she can't sell it, like because that's just not what she does.
0: Exactly, she's not selling it. But like, like I said, they see her face, they see her body, they see what she's wearing, and that she's there, and that's enough. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's um, enough. For them. It's like that's enough. Throughout this first season, we're basically with Sydney as she is working missions, and um working with uh, Michael, not, like, show Michael, not Michael Michael, um, to take down SD6. Another thing about the show, there is a lot of yellow peril Asian panic on this show. That is, like, an accurate American sensibility is to, like, be just generally fearful. Like, a white... Yeah, that's a very white supremacist, like, American sensibility to be, like, super fearful of, like the people in the east but like it's it's hyper cringe to watch on this show because like i was i was i'm i remember watching and i'm like it's a lot of like (laughs) asian villains (laughs) like what's happening
0: it's it's it gives you it's i think it's definitely you know a piece of propaganda most american shows about government agencies are will is investigating danny's death and he's getting too close to the truth
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was about to to touch on. Um, so throughout all this, uh, we know that her, her fiance died. And so what happened, so what happens is that, uh, will who is uh, her, her best friend, he's like, uh, he's kind of a love interest. Like there's kind of a triangle that's forming that the show is trying to like sell you, but they don't really do too good of a job of it. Um, by the way, all the stuff in the show that's not like plot driven about like this Rimbaldi situation is is really um, clumsily handled. I will say that. And I think that's also one of the major, I think, downfalls of the show um, is that they have a lot of rich story with the, these characters relationships and they don't utilize it properly. Yes, that's what I think
0: i agree and i'm very glad that the show eventually kind of removes the tension like the romantic tension between will and sydney and like that never really goes anywhere because they weren't selling it
1: yeah they're not selling it they're not selling it at all so um after in the wake of sydney working with sd6 um i'll of course everybody knows that uh sydney at least or at least her close friends. Will and Francie know that Sydney's fiance was murdered, and so Will, in loyalty to his best friend, uh, and starts investigating her fiance's murder. Will is also like a, a reporter, by the way, for the paper, and for like a big paper too. Um, I don't remember what big paper, but it is a big paper, and. He's investigating and investigating, and slowly but surely, he gets very close to the truth about who Sydney is, SD6, and um, their and the, the their larger relationship to, you know, Nostradamus, Rimbaldi. Um, and when he gets too close, he gets put. Uh, obviously, he gets he gets put in hot water, and is subsequently. Kidnapped and tortured by, um, I think, once by uh, like SD6 agents and by, and then once by other actors who are trying to disrupt what Sydney and SD6 is doing. Because we also have people like Sark, Stark, Mm -hmm. Sark. Um, Yeah, Julian
0: Sark, yeah.
1: Sark and other actors who are trying to also get. The spooky Nostradamus uh, artifact.
0: Right, exactly. Now, like aside on the Will character, the fact that Will never died for the dura- like he wasn't killed for the duration of the series. Nobody's that lucky. This was the most unrealistic aspect of the show.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and that, that was another thing. I was like, how is this white man not dead? <laughs> like, he's not an
0: agent. He has no training. Like later on, he becomes part of the CIA as like a researcher. Like. There's no way that Will should have survived this. Like Sydney could have only saved him so many times. It don't make sense.
1: It doesn't make sense. But that that's what the show wanted you to believe. So I guess that's what we're doing. Um That's what we're doing. Um so, so. Um, so yeah, that's that's what that's what happens in season uh,
0: 1 like Will investigates Danny's uh murder uh, Sydney has to try to hide her identity. Um, well, like, like basically what she's doing, like her work with SD six and the CIA from will and Francie. Um, and she's got this developing, like this burgeoning relationship with her handler, uh, Michael. Um, so we were just basically like getting to know the inner workings of her life and getting to know these people. And I'm not going to lie. I really did enjoy the Will character and the Francie character more than our protagonist. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Same. I, I, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's season, that's season one. So season one, good, bad, basic. I mean, it was good for what it was. I'm going to give it a good. It's a solid good. Uh, You know, I'm giving it a basic. Ooh. i i I think that, like the others just did this better. Like, I think they're, I mean, I guess for the time for what it was, for what it did, like, sure, it's a good. But looking at it now, I don't know. I'm not there are too many, even in the first season, there are so many cracks in the foundation. There are so many splits that I can be that I can see that I'm like, this is not. About to go off, like this is yeah. just getting. This is just gonna get more ridiculous as we go on, particularly since that first season ends with like, um, the prophecy. <laughs> like, oh, I was, oh my really god! They really could have left that at home when they come through. Because uh, you have to understand, listeners. Like the first season, and you'll like if you watched, you got you get it, and if you are. And if after this episode then you're going to go watch you'll you'll get it when you see it. It's just regular ass government counter government spy shit. And then at episode like 16 or 8 close to the season, then they're like the prophecy. There's a prophecy. And you're what? like, "Girl, what?" Now, let me
0: tell you what I didn't like about the prophecy thing. Besides the mixing of like sci fi with mythology and theology and new age spirituality. I really didn't like how this was like this. Low key felt like a manifest destiny situation. Like we're not just government agents because we care about our country. We care. We care about this because there's a larger, uh, a, a larger situation that's bigger than all of us. Like, oh, girl, okay,
1: girl, okay. <laughs> and you know the worst part, and the worst part about the Rambaldi stuff, and it's, and I, and I really, I cannot begin I hate the Nostradamus Rambaldi stuff so much like I hate and it's really and it is the driving force of like the entire series <laughs> and what but really what really bugs me about it from now going forward is like they don't tell you what the the fucking thing does until the last season <laughs> They don't. And, like,
0: I understand that we don't want an information dump, but you can't expect me to care about something that I have no clue about.
1: I get that you're trying to preserve some sort of mystery around the nostradamus Baldi thing, but you cannot ask the audience to sit through five seasons and, like, we do not know what the thing does. Like, you have to build proper stakes, as like the writing team, you have to build proper stakes to like invest me in st- as to what this thing is, what it does and why is it and why it is important that like we get it first before the bad guys. Because like instead of just being like, oh, I don't know, it's like a spooky mystic thingy and it does a mystic thing. Like, <laughs> girl, right. what? And I feel
0: like the obvious answer is. To tell us one thing and then do a aha reveal later, but you have to tell us something to get us attached,
1: right? Like we, I have to know why, and this is why. Like and and this is why magic shows are magic shows and spy shows are spy shows as well. And this is why, like you know, you and I have said this. Like you either want you either have to have witches or you have to have aliens, but you can't have both, because in a magic show. In a fantasy show, if you were like, the spooky thing is gonna do a thing, sure, fine. I'll buy it because, like, I've, I know that this world has magic. So, like, the spooky thing could do anything. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, just, just
0: just, like narrow down your niche, please.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Whereas, like, a spy show, like, I need a concrete thing. Like, I need, like, you know, I need my 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 division, my black boxes. T- t- tell me about my black boxes. Explain to me why these black boxes are important. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that you're gonna right that the black boxes have secrets that could right, be. like they told us so black.
0: Exactly, like so. It's it really is like like a make or break situation. We're talking about the co- potential collapse of entire civilizations and governments. Like I don't know why and we care about anything happening on Alias except that Sydney cares about them. <laughs>
1: Right, which, like, I like Sydney. She's really nice and everything, but it's not enough.
0: Right, it's not enough of a reason. Like, we can't live vicariously through this character. Um, but let's jump into season two. Season two was 22 episodes long, also. And uh, this is where we meet Sydney's mother, who becomes an integral character from then on. Now, I will pause and say that although I felt this was also clumsily done, it's very clearly an inspiration for Olivia Pope's relationship with her mother, Maya on scandal.
1: Oh yeah, definitively. Like, and that was better done.
0: But like I said, um, this is so clearly the inspiration here. You have this woman who marries a man uh, 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 who is a part of the U S government under an alias when really her entire plan was to, you know, uh, pump him for information and then get close enough to him to kill him.
1: Right. And unlike um, unlike Chuck's mother that we talked about last week, uh, who Chuck's mom, although it w- was a true double agent and also, I think, truly loved her son, Sydney's uh, mama doesn't care about her. <laughs> She's <Right>. so- <laughs>
0: just like olivia's mom didn't care about her like they were both oops babies very very real these women got pregnant while under deep cover living under these aliases
1: right and you know like and don't get me like and like sydney's mama is like i mean you were kind of cute for like a couple of years and like and doing the mom thing was kind of cute for a minute but like i don't care about you
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it really was that simple she's like you turned sex uh you started speaking full sentences I, I felt like I did enough.
1: <laughs> right. I felt like I did my my part.
0: <laughs> um, it's really shady, but like listen, um, and it's clearly it clearly both of these women have mother issues, but the mother issues are only ever really exposed when they're in direct contact with said mothers. Then we really see like these really hurting inner children. <laughs> <laughs> And Sydney's no exception to this. She's got this really tense relationship with her father. But then the mom comes through, and, like, she really thought this lady was dead. Again, very similar to Olivia and Maya's relationship. She also thought her mother was dead. She thought her mother was dead. Uh, Irina had faked her death when Sydney was six years old. Right. She was like, I'm, I'm done. It's time to peace out of here. I don't need you and this man looking for me. So... <laughs> So she really peaced out. Um, this season is also the season where Sydney and Michael begin dating. Um, now that their their relationship is like quote unquote safe, but how safe is any relationship between two government agents really? Unless you're doing what the Blooms did on um, Undercovers, where they retired, you're playing yourself,
1: right? And I will say that like Sydney and and Michael's relationship is very like. It's very tortured. It's very like dramatic.
0: It's so much. I feel like half of the problems are real. And then half of the problems are manufactured because of, of um, Michael's trust issues and Sydney's daddy issues and abandonment issues.
1: Right. And Sydney has such intense daddy issues. So much. Jesus Christ. And like really serious abandonment issues. Like I feel for her. And like low key,
0: this is also Olivia and her daddy's relationship. Like, right? He sent her off to boarding school shortly after her mom died, so she's got these daddy issues, which that show actually much more deeply explores why she has this attraction to older men. Um, right. Like Sydney and her dad's relationship is a really, really tense one because it's very clear that despite their friction, he does love her very much, and and she he's the only man that that she could ever possibly be truly vulnerable with
1: right and even and and even that when and then when she is like he doesn't always get it right you know like exactly. he um he always does things in, in her best interest and in her protection but like he doesn't like her dad is also like really dumb about like handling her sometimes and like handling her feelings
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So this season, because of all the issues existing between them, um, even though Sydney and Michael just started dating, they very quickly uh, end things, and then he meets somebody else. And by the end of the season, he's married.
1: <laughs> and and listen, I we will say that like it's it's a really intense situation. Like Sydney gets kidnapped and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. tortured. And then she falls into a coma for two years. And
0: this wasn't this like the brain erasure thing that McKennis McKenna uh, oversaw, right? Yeah.
1: And like yeah, her, so that happened. Her memories are like erased. And so then when she so then when we get to season three, she wakes up and she still thinks it's like two years ago. Like she doesn't realize two years have passed. And so when Michael finds her and comes to get her. She's like Michael would have never moved on without me and he, I'm just like sweetheart it's been 2 years like I don't know what you want him to do <laughs> in her defense and, and everybody thought asking. she was dead
0: right right everybody thought she was dead and this is the key issue in her defense though like if I'm with you you're my man you need to give me at least 5 years rebound.
1: And he, Listen, his wife
0: was very much a rebound, anyway you slice
1: it. Uh, you know, Michael is king of the rebound. I will say that much about him. You know, if I died, well, I don't know. It depends on how long. How long were we together? Because they've they were only together for like a year, really, like half a year.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know what well, I mean. Yeah. I mean, he was hurting this new girl comforted him and she's got her own agenda. We'll talk about that in a minute.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. But like she's she was a, at she's... the
0: right place at the right time. She really was.
1: She really, really was. Um, but yeah, like if I got, like if I was married to someone like it, it, it's all proportional to the time we were together. Like if we were together for like two years, then like after like a year and a half, like it's cool. Move on. Like, it's a vibe. You know, go be happy. Now, if we were together for like 20 years or something, you know, girl, after half a year, you find you a cute little rebound because like you'll never be over me. Let's be honest.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's too much time invested in this for it to go any other way.
1: Like you find yourself a cute little rebound who's going to like wash your feet and clip your toenails. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: Do what and you And take gotta care do. of you
0: exactly so that's how season and one ends oh season two uh, excuse me season two ends sydney is uh you know is reunited with the cia and she realizes that all of her friends and family thought that she was dead and michael mm-hmm. is married
1: um right
0: so season two good bad or basic
1: <sighs> season two i'm gonna give like Another mm, basic plus, like I think, yeah, basic plus. The Rambali stuff is getting out of control. <laughs> um, the Nostradamus stuff is out of control for me, but I like it because you know, like I said, I Sydney and Michael finally getting together is a vibe for me. Um, also. Quentin Tarantino randomly showing up is <laughs> hilarious. Uh, also, so for those for those things, it's a basic plus.
0: Yeah, I gave the last season good, so I'm gonna have to give this one a good plus because any way you slice it, um, season two is objectively better than season one. <laughs> it is. It just is. It really is. Um, and they did do a sort of like rebrand um midway through season two which i think is why it got better they they finally uh um shook off the whole sd6 narrative and um sort of like narrowed down their focus and it shows
1: yeah yeah um definitively i will say yeah no yeah
0: no So let's discuss season three. So let's talk about season three of Alias, also 22 episodes long. It obviously takes place two years uh, after the events of season two. Um, Sydney's been presumed dead this entire time. Um, mm-hmm. There was DNA left on a very burnt, completely unrecognizable body that was delivered to her family and friends. Um, and they have no reason to believe she's not dead. Um, but she Except was kidnapped by the. Right. I mean, her dad is like trained to be skeptical. <laughs> um, but she was kidnapped by the Covenant, which is a terrorist organization. Um, and they brainwash her completely. She believes that she's a terrorist called Julia Thorne. Um uh and um she basically uh had those memories of her life voluntarily erased while she was under torture um there's so much going on in season six but I think season six for me season three. is when this sh- I'm sorry why did I say six I know I was like is- that's so bad. Ran- there's not even six seasons of this show <laughs> there's so much going on in season three but for me this is when this show starts to feel like a real spy show before it really felt in so many ways like Sydney was playing and being a spy and now she's in some real spy shit <laughs>
1: Now she's in some real, real spot shit. Um, yeah, so yeah, this is the season. This season to me is, is like, and this is also when is this when, Is this also when everybody switches over to the CIA for real?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah, this is uh, yeah, so by now, I think everybody real like in the at the end of season two, there was like a big blow up with SD6. Yeah, like you said, they shook off SD6. And everybody found out that SD6 was Baroque. So now they're going to get woke with the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> How
0: are you going to be doing all this with no money? Make it make sense. So
1: now they're going to... So now everybody basically is at the CIA. My Sydney's at the CIA. Um, Marshall, who was like the little comedic relief tech geek, is at the CIA. Dixon is also at the CIA. He's Sydney's, you know, magical Negro, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's a nice one. He's like a really nice. He, his wife and his kids seem really nice before they get kidnapped and stuff. But <clears throat> they, uh, I'm not
0: victim blaming. But how are you a government agent and you have the audacity to get married and have kids?
1: I just feel like it's not. It's not the. It's not that. It's not the wife and the kids, it's the fact that he did not prepare them that this could be a possible situation. <laughs>
0: that, like like also that that's obviously an integrity and an honesty issue, but I'm just saying from like a general perspective, how would even if you told them this is a possibility, why would you think that that was a safe move to make? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I don't know, like that's like, that's American imperialism for you. You just be feeling like you can do anything, and the, the reality is like you can't. <laughs> like, you really can't. Like these streets are, these streets are rough. <laughs> the streets are, the streets are not safe. Um, and so we're here, and also, and so then we also, like you said, we have, and then we have um the introduction of. <sighs> michael's new wife played by an actress who i'm sure in life is a very nice person but whenever i see her on screen i'm i know that i'm i'm annoyed i'm instantly angry and that's melissa george
0: melissa george really has great villainess energy i knew from the moment i saw her on screen this bitch was up to no good
1: see but she doesn't have villainess in that great like she doesn't have like she she doesn't have, like, amazing villain energy in the way that, like, a Natalie Dormer has excellent villain energy. She has just, like, this bitch is annoying, and, like, why why is she here energy? But that's what makes her perfect, because like, you could
0: get to a point where you start gaslighting yourself. Like, maybe she's not as bad as I thought, which is the secret, right? It's the secret. Because how else are you going to get close enough to a CIA agent to actually, like, get this man to full-on marry you when you're literally the enemy? Like, she is a double agent for the Covenant, and then we find out later that her mom is also an agent for the Covenant. (laughs) Right.
1: And because she... That was crazy. That
0: was one of the best twists
1: ever. (laughs) That was a really good twist. I'm not going to lie. I was like, damn, it's everybody in up in this. That's crazy. Okay, so... So, yeah, so this terrorist organization led by Sark, I think his name, I think his name is Sark, and I keep thinking they're going to, and I think, I keep wanting to say Stark, like with a T, but it's not, it's Sark, which is- I think
0: that's because you watch all those Marvel movies.
1: <laughs> I It is, it is. I'm thinking about Tony Stark, it's not, it's Sark. Um. She is like part of this terrorist organization led by Sark and she's booed up with Sark too, like in real life. Not in real life, but like in the show. Um, she's booed up with him. She's not really here for Michael, but they're married, and so she essentially is collecting intelligence from the CIA and collecting because she also works at the CIA and collecting intelligence from Michael who has like a higher clearance level than she does. And she's giving it over to Sark so that they can disrupt all of the CIA these um, uh, missions. Because now for some reason that nobody understands the CIA now wants to do the Nostradamus Rambaldi artifact thing spooky thing like they too are now looking for the spooky artifacts for reasons that nobody understands
0: because it's not like we have real crimes real wars real civil wars real coups (laughs) Um, you know real assassinations and real kidnappings and real like political disturbances let's go after this artifact for reasons unknown for reasons
1: yeah and like why for reasons because it's spooky that's why
0: (sighs) Sometimes, like, honestly, I really don't think y'all thought this shit do. <laughs> I really don't.
1: I really don't. Like, it's so clear. So, um, so there, so part of, so, you know, now that Sydney's back, Michael, of course, is like, you know, I'm married, but, like, I'm not going to pretend that, like, you not being back doesn't, like, change something within me personally. So, you know, he starts to stray like men do and granted he feels bad about it and he does vocalize that, (laughs) but, um, but not bad enough, (laughs) not bad enough that he's not trying to hit it. So, you know, he's, he's like, girl, like, you know, you're still you and I'm still me and What's her, like, what's his wife? What's her name? Uh, Lauren. Lauren. Lauren starts to sense it. Lauren is like, Lauren starts to sense it, and she gets on the phone. She gets on the phone with Sark, and she's like, he's about to hit it with a new bitch. Like, Mm -hmm. not with a new... And it really
0: takes one to know one, because she's been cheating. (laughs)
1: Right? Right? (laughs) (laughs) She knows. She knows the energy. She knows the moods. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god it's a
0: mess like it's really really messy um because again um she's been cheating on him this entire time with Julian
1: but she's like he can't stray that's not part of the plan that's not part of the plan because then he'll cause then he'll get on cause then they'll be on to me and then that's the thing they know that there's a mole and she's like he can't be cheating cause if he starts cheating and he's not in love with me then he's gonna finally get that I am the mole <laughs> So Sark right. is like, okay, so kill your daddy. <laughs> Cause then if he you kill your daddy, he'll feel bad. He'll feel really bad and he'll stop cheating and he'll just be there for you. He'll recommit.
0: Right, because if your dad dies while you're grieving, a lot of things are gonna be allowed to slide and it will bring him closer to you. Closer uh, to you. It makes sense. Um, except the whole kill the man who raised you part. <laughs>
1: but she and so, yeah. And so, she's like, "You want me to kill my daddy?" And he's like, "Do you love me, girl? Do you want this spooky artifact? Don't you want to find the spooky thing?" And she's like, "Yeah, I guess." So then she goes to kill her daddy. So her daddy is also like a senator that is like funding this. Uh, this he was like uh like on the board, like on the I guess congressional committee on the congressional committee. To, Blah. Her daddy is like a senator who's on the congressional committee um, uh, that heads up the CIA or that oversees the CIA. So she goes to kill her daddy and she gets there and he's like, her daddy's like, oh, no, it is you. Because before, um, Sydney had already fingered her as the mole. And then Sydney's daddy's like, yeah, that bitch is the mole. <laughs> And then, but of course, Sydney just looks like a jealous ex-girlfriend when she says girlfriend. that shit. <laughs> says that shit, and her dad. So she takes it to Sydney. Takes it to her dad and her dad, Jack. And Jack's like, you know what? That bitch is the mole. So then Jack takes it to the senator, her daddy, and he's like, I gotta tell you something about your 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 daughter. She's the mole, and he's like, you're and and. The senator is like, you're a hating ass hoe. Your daughter's a hating ass hoe. And you are here trying to further your daughter's agenda, trying to get this man. And I don't fuck with that shit. Like, that shit's dead to the bed. And so he's like, I understand. And then Jack is like, I understand why you would say that. So, but I am telling you the truth. So then she comes and she's like, daddy, I got to kill you. And he's like, damn, I started (laughs) out here and defended you. This is not how he wanted to
0: find out, kids.
1: <laughs> like, and I felt really bad for him in that moment. Like, I really did. Because he really did sit up there and was like, y'all is some hate ass haters. Like, he did, the, he did the right thing as her father. You know what I mean? To Imagine really...
0: raising a child from infancy and this is how they do you. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine.
1: I, I really hated that for him. Like, <laughs> truly and honestly. And so, like oh my God, it really hurt me because he had just finished like really going to the mat for her to Sydney's dad. And she's trying to, and I guess to her credit, she tries to pull the credit. She's, you know, she's she's trying to do it, but she can't do it because it's her daddy. Mm -hmm. And then her mama walks in the door and she's like, oh God, and just like rips the gun from her hand and then pops two shots. And her daddy's head! Because she's also part of Sark's team. And it's crazy. It is. It's so crazy when it happens.
0: Now, what did that man do in his former life to deserve this?
1: This you know, level of betrayal? I, you know, I really... I I was like, I bet you his people own slaves.
0: Probably. Probably. But, like, I feel like if that was it, shouldn't he have been killed by Black people? <laughs>
1: You know white people eat each other.
0: Like, you know They really do. They really do. Like he didn't do anything but like be a good father and husband and this is how they do him. We hate to see it. We I really hated it. Like when that happened, I was like, damn, this is some good writing, but also wow.
1: (laughs) Same. I was like, and it was just so genuinely unexpected. And I was like, damn, this is crazy. Like I was like, damn, they really did. Oh, boy, like that. That's wild. Um, But eventually... Oh, no. No, you go ahead.
0: Um, So this season, uh, two major things happen. Uh, Sydney rescues her half-sister, Nadia, from being killed by the Covenant. And Michael eventually finds out who Lauren is, what she is, and he shoots her. Um, Before she dies, she gives Sydney the number to a security box... Uh, where she can find information about the past two years and her life prior to those years. Um, so I guess she, I guess this was her like literally last ditch effort as at a, like a redemption of sorts. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Lauren gets taken out this season, but then and... magically shows up again.
1: Yeah, because she's not really dead. And then like she, she dies again. Let me you, but, like, let's talk about Nadia for a minute. Like, so, you know I hate new people. I do, too. <laughs> and Nadia's brand fucking new. And she's new because of, like, you guys, I just... The Rambaldi stuff is ridiculous. So, Nostrad- so, like, they get a clue that, like, Nostradamus... They find another prophecy, and they're like, Nostradamus said that there's, like, a key. And then they find out that this person is, like, Sydney's half-sister by her mom right like they have the same Mm -hmm. mother
0: yeah this is Irina and arwen sloan's child and he is the former director of sd6 yeah
1: and i i really hated it i hated nadia i hated this invention of nadia everything it was so broke to me because I just felt like instead of using the already really interesting, complicated relationship dynamics the show had, they introduced this brand new person for, like, no reason. And then even then, they will never, like, really properly utilize this character. And I hated it.
0: I agree. Like, I mean, Alex and I are both on the no new people wave. And for me personally, it isn't because I inherently like the idea of a new person, Although I'm a tourist, I do like the familiar. I just hate the way that every single show in existence has um, introduced new people because they didn't know what else to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that, that, that's why. And, and that, yeah, that's it. That's really why I hate new people. Because new people always signals to me that a show doesn't know what it's doing. And, like, it's and usually, yeah, it, it doesn't know what it's doing and it's not utilizing the relationships in the world that it's already built. And it's to me, it's new to me, I guess new people is just a sign of really weak writing. That's what right, it is. Because more they're than always anything.
0: written in a they're always written in a really weak way or in a way that gives huge continuity issues and plot holes.
1: See right. Dawn from Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You'll never get off that Dawn train.
0: Never. Um, ever,
1: ever <laughs> for but life. Yeah, life.
0: Just do better. And the thing is, if you really cared about these people, the way that you're saying you care about these people, their right, the, their their existence would have either been there from the very beginning, or they would have been properly foreshadowed.
1: Right. And it's and I think it's annoying because there's already so much uh, in terms of the history between like the existing characters, uh, relationship-wise, that uh, could be utilized to create a story and to create conflict that it doesn't make sense to me, like why this Nadia person is here. And there, are ca- and also there are characters that are just, that are so that are underutilized that like that we haven't, they haven't done anything with like um, Dixon, like, Eric. Yeah. Eric Dixon, um, Marshall, like, uh, so so many um and they're just sort of they're like waiting in this alias ocean and instead of you know them being picked out of this alias ocean to get put on the boat they're just like what if we what let's let's you know will another person from the sky to like be in the boat or something i that's I don't know what that metaphor, I don't know what I was doing with that. That didn't make any sense. But you get what I'm saying.
0: No, I do get what you're saying. I absolutely do. And I mean, like I said, my reason for these people is because they're never really entirely fleshed out. But on spy shows in particular, and thankfully Alias is the only spy show that, that has done this to me. Um, why do you need new characters for conflict? Conflict is an inherent part of the plot,
1: They're spies. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's just an inherent part of like the world, right? Because like they're spies. That's that's inherently conflicted.
0: Like, you don't really have to try this hard. Like you like Alex said, you could just utilize the characters you've already introduced. Stop using these people as decoration. They can be more than wallpaper.
1: They can. Hard hard agree. Um, but season three season three ends with Lauren disguised as Sydney, and Sark, like, blow the CIA to hell and high water. And Michael, having sustained a uh, torture by Lauren, goes to to help Sydney. And like you said, he, he shoots her. And Sydney um, gets information about her life. And she reads a mysterious classified document that changes her outlook on herself and the people around her. And that is how we end season three.
0: So season three, good, bad, or basic? Child, uh,
1: I would give it another base. <laughs> I'm giving it another base.
0: <laughs> Yikes. Um, I'm not mad though. I'm really not. Um yeah. I'm going to give this one a good minus. As I think I said, the first season was good and the second season was good plus. So I'm going to have to give this one a good minus or a basic plus. It's fluctuating <laughs> for me. I really think they could have really done something great with this season if they had left the Nostradamus pot. Like, just let it die. Like, just never mention it again because we probably wouldn't have remembered.
1: Um, <laughs> I, I know. And- I would have been so happy to see it go.
0: Yeah, like and on um, like I honestly really believe we would not have remembered. There's so many episodes in each season. This was a network uh, show, so like it wasn't on a streaming service where we could binge it and keep our memory fresh, right? And you never told us what it does anyway. Um, if you had just let this plot line go and then like also like if you had to have the Nadia character keep her a character we talk about and a character we never meet, I would have been cool with that too.
1: Same same i agree um but all in all it's like i don't know this is not giving by i mean although i would say season two is probably the strongest season of the show but by the end of season three it's not giving what y'all said it gave it's there's a lot to me that's like yikes in terms of the like the the plot these the interpersonal what really makes these heavy action shows or like, and it's the same thing with uh, any, really any heavy genre show, whether it's like spy thriller or it's like magic and fantasy. um, What really makes those shows shine uh, and what grounds them are the interpersonal relationships between the characters and how the characters relate to each other and the situations you put them in. And the show loses, just doesn't realize that. And to me, that's the biggest problem.
0: I think you're right, actually. I couldn't articulate this because I, I I hadn't put those pieces together. But Alias absolutely fails in building um, and sustaining interpersonal relationships between
1: the characters. It really does. It does. And that's and unfortunate. Like, and that's unfortunate. And it's like, you know, the reason why you... The reason why, like, it's devastating when Alex shoots Nikita in the shoulder... Is because, or like when Alex kind of feeds Nikita to division, is because the show really focuses on building this relationship between Alex and Nikita, this, you know, big sister, baby sister relationship between Alex and Nikita. And the show. Always make sure that makes sure that like whatever they're doing plot wise is serving the development of those characters and serving the development of that relationship. So then, when it ultimately comes to a head between them and you get that flip and you get that betrayal, they live in it and it's devastating. And you, as an audience member, are just like, "Holy shit!" Like, I hate it. And so that's why, or the reason why you are. You know, really rooting for Nikita and Michael to to make it to the end is because they um, they always make sure that the plot is serving the development of Michael and Nikita's relationship. They're always making sure that whatever they're putting in their plot wise is saying something about Nikita and like her her abandonment issues and and her addiction and. In, in her inner life, and that's why you feel um, not the other way. But Alias does it the other way around and suffers because of it.
0: hmm It really does. Um, you can't have a show that's too plot-driven or too narrative-driven and isn't character-driven. And Alias really isn't character driven. Like I said, my feelings for Sydney going in were lukewarm, and they stay; they remain that way for the duration.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. They do. I'm just sort of like, yeah, girl, this sucks. Like <laughs> every time she gets tortured, like which, by the way, like they torture people a lot, and everybody gets tortured at some point in this show. Like, but after like the third torture, I'm like, yeah, girl, that's hard. Like, whereas you know, when Nikita gets tortured. Or, or, like, when Burkoff gets tortured by Amanda, it is, like, devastating. You're on the edge of your seat. One, because you understand that Amanda can, like, change his whole fucking brain chemistry. But also because of, like, the relationship between those two. And, like, you know how Nikita feels about him. So, you know, Nikita, like, is hurting and she feels responsible for the fact that, like, you know, he even got caught. There's so there's so much infused in that. But shout out to Jennifer Garner and these wigs, though, girl listen her wig game was doing things because it was. i feel like all
0: all the wigs were so obviously wigs to me but white people don't see look don't don't see like they can't see that your lace hasn't been plucked correctly <laughs> <laughs> your wig has, or that your, your 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 wig isn't laying correctly all they see is a looks and she was serving looks
1: she was she was serving looks i fuck with it heavy you have it folks this is everything that we think made the first half of alias good bad basic and so engaging if you'd like to check out the series alias is currently streaming for free on tubi if you've enjoyed this episode of the good the bad the basic be sure to share it with your friends if you're a patron on our patreon be sure to check out our alias playlist Tune in next week as we wrap up our Spies and Lies season, going with a discussion on the back half of this iconic spy-fi thriller. You don't want to miss out on this conversation.
0: The Good, the Bad, the Basic is streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune in to our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good Bad Basic on Twitter and at Good Bad Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron over on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material until next time bye everyone